When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Over the past few months, businesses, especially small businesses, have faced a lot of proverbial lemons, but the power of pivoting has become clearer than ever. We're here to share stories from PayPal merchants who have pivoted their businesses during COVID-19, innovating their way through uncertain and strenuous times. Welcome to The Adaptables. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting season of The Adaptables. I'm your host, Sarah Davidson, and I'm thrilled to be joining you again for season two. A very big thank you for your support of our first season and the wonderful Aussie businesses who shared their powerful pivots on the show. If you haven't caught up yet, head back to our first five episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I'm delighted to say that you listeners enjoyed them so much that we've gone global for this round and our first guest for season two, Funlayo Alabi, is joining us today from Maryland in the USA. Funlayo is the co-founder of natural beauty brand Shea Radiance that creates luscious products inspired by the traditional uses of unrefined shea butter as an active ingredient. Like many of the greatest entrepreneurial ideas, Shea Radiance was born out of Funlayo's struggle to help ease her young boy's dry and eczema-prone skin, leading her to start making shea butter lotions and shampoos in her kitchen before launching as a business. The effectiveness and consequent rave reviews of her products has not only grown the business into a hugely successful operation, but Shea Radiance also sources its shea butter directly from women-run cooperatives in West Africa to help provide economic access that allows women to feed, clothe and educate their children. This sourcing structure has wreaked some logistical havoc during the pandemic, causing delays in shipping of ingredients from the Western African region, but as you'll hear, they've remained adaptable as ever. I'll let Funlayo tell you more herself. Funlayo, welcome to the show. Sarah, it's an honour and a pleasure to be on the show. Our listeners can't see you right now, but I feel like you're a glowing example, literally, of the magic of shea butter. No one is supposed to look this good on Zoom. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So before we get started, we've got a little icebreaker to kick off every episode. I'd love to ask, what's the biggest assumption you had about going into business that got busted as soon as you started? Because I think we all begin with so many preconceptions of how glamorous it's all going to be and how smooth sailing entrepreneurial life is, but that absolutely gets blown out of the water very quickly. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I think my biggest misconception was that I had everything perfect on paper And I would be able to execute smoothly to my goal of success and profit. Mm. It turns out for me that entrepreneurship and running your business is more of a marathon than a sprint. And I think I didn't realize just how long a marathon it would be. (laughs) I should have paced myself. (laughs) I think we've all been through that revelation, going out too hard, too fast, and often think it's going to be a straight sprint too, and not with all the diversions in all sorts of different directions. Business is just so full of those unexpected twists and turns. Exactly. And none of us could have predicted, even with all the five and 10 and 20 year plans written down, nobody could have predicted or prepared for what 2020 would bring us. 
And since this is the adaptables after all, it probably makes sense to start with how you've had to adapt to this year. As we all know, since the COVID-19 outbreak, so many businesses have had to completely re-strategize, often temporarily shutting down or changing their offerings completely just to stay afloat. So what have been your biggest pain points and challenges through the pandemic? As we mentioned before, the supply chain has probably been one of your biggest challenges, shipping everything in from West Africa. Absolutely. So there were the obvious logistic problems that you could point to and say, okay, my supply chain partners, they are experiencing shutdowns in Accra and in Lagos. And so they can't get things to the ports. The ports are shut down. You know, everyone is at a standstill. That was an obvious, you know, almost like a tangible challenge that we had. I think the other big thing was just emotional and mental. Mm. (laughs) It was like, should we go forward or should we be stepping back? And that was one of the challenges. uh, One of the biggest challenges we faced was identifying all the obvious physical problems we would be having and then kind of mentally trying to evaluate if we were in a position to move forward as planned or if we were going to have to be immobilized and see how things would pan out because we didn't know what was going on the first couple of weeks of the pandemic. Yeah, I think that shift from panic to translating that into action is a really big part of any pivot. But before we move on to how you did start to translate that emotional reaction into some wonderful developments in the business, what were some of the other things you identified were going to be big barriers to get through? Not only that you couldn't necessarily fulfill orders without the ingredients, but did the orders themselves start to decrease? Did any contracts get cancelled? What about, you know, staff wages and overheads? There's a lot of financial pressure involved for a lot of businesses. What were your other big sort of concerns about what the consequences might be for you? Sure. I'm going to step back a little bit and tell you that we had a great year in 2019. And so we went into 2020 thinking growth. We had several things cooking for the fall (laughs) of 2020. Uh, We were going through a process of redesigning our packaging so that it would be more in alignment with our brand. That that is actually scheduled to launch all of this year. Um, We were launching new products into the market because we had a great year in 2019. 2020, you know, let's give the market something new. We had started discussions on a new lease for a larger production facility. We had two retail partners that we had been in discussion with from 2019 and 2020 was going to be when we would launch into the stores. So we had gone into 2020, at least for Q1, in a growth kind of mindset mode. We had lots of things going on and we were really excited. And so When the pandemic hit and there was all this confusion and everything shut down and some of our friends in the restaurant business had to, I mean, the impact on our friends in the restaurant business was almost immediate. We started thinking about, does it even make sense to continue on the track that we already identified for our business in 2019. Mm. And so you talk about some of the effects of COVID in the early months, aside from the shock, we realized that our customers were looking for us online. And so really pivoting and beginning to invest a lot of our attention online on social media became a big kind of adjustment step that we made. It's something we should have done a long time ago and been stronger on, but the pandemic definitely focused us on the opportunity that existed online. And then in the retail stores, one of the new retail partners we were bringing on was a specialty retail store. 
and their sales started struggling and they didn't stay open. So that was an opportunity that was gone as a result of the pandemic. And then the second opportunity was a grocery retail and grocery businesses boomed over the pandemic. So <laughs> one door closed and then another one remained open. Yeah, it's so interesting how there's a quote that I love, beautiful new beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. So while there are a lot of doors that might have closed, it did force us all to look for other doors that we might never have considered before. Absolutely. So did you find, before we move into the sort of new tracks and pathways that you found for yourself, did you find that managing the financial pressure of the uncertainty of orders and leases and not knowing what your position was that having working capital was really helpful for you. I know you're a PayPal working capital customer. Do you think that sort of helped you ride the wave and meet that uncertainty with, you know, some kind of a plan and a bit of support behind you? You know, as a small business owner, and especially as a person of color living here in the United States, the problem of access to capital is always a huge one. It's, yeah. it's one we've always kind of battled with. So that has always been something that's always been at the back of our minds. Every time a growth opportunity presents itself, it's like, okay, how can we afford it? Yeah. And so obviously during the pandemic, the concerns about what the sales and re sales revenues would look like and how people would be reacting in the middle of the pandemic was of course a big concern. But knowing that we had access to our PayPal working capital gave us like a sense of we have some resources to work with if we ever need uh, to reach for it. Mm. Fortunately, the online sales did pick up and they were, they were good. And so that really gave us, um, you know, confidence to move forward. But I think always knowing at the back of your mind that you have enough resources as a small business owner gives you confidence to make decisions, to be able to negotiate, knowing that you have the resources to really make things happen. Yeah, I think that's definitely something we don't talk about as much. We often look at other people and go, wow, that was an amazing pivot. Look at the products you created. But we don't investigate financially what that involved in how you actually built the confidence to make the decision to pivot at all. So Moving back to that shift from panic to action, how long did that take you? Was it 24 hours? Was it a week? Did you start to sort of, you know, business owners like to move very quickly most of the time, but in situations like this, it does take some time to deal with fear and overwhelm and formulate a plan. So how did you start to move towards online and start doing Zooms and, and live socials? I know you really did turn towards your online presence. Was that in a matter of weeks or months? And how did you communicate those changes to your staff and key stakeholders? I think it started with the decision that this too will pass. Such a good Somewhere one. within all the panic, it was I, I realized that we were going to get through this. Yeah, I made the decision that I wanted to come out at the end of this pandemic better than ever before. Now, I didn't know what this would look like, but I think starting with the decision that, you know, hard times always pass, even good times come to an end at some points, but that this is a season we just had to go through and we had to weather it. I think with that decision, we started realizing certain opportunities that would help us thrive and survive even during this really unpredictable times. And I think what makes the COVID-19 situation so tough for a lot of people is that you couldn't really plan. You didn't know what was going to happen next. Realizing that we were going to get through this, we decided that we wanted to get through it with our customers. And so that's when we started having the Zoom and the Instagram lives. And they were 
as simple as, you know, you really ought to get out of bed and take a shower, <laughs> even, though, <laughs> even though you don't have to go to the office, it'll make you feel amazing. And, you know, when you do get around to taking a shower, you should really use Shea Radiance uh, body wash <laughs> and moisturize with some of our Shea butter cream. And so we really started leaning in to our customers' experience going through the pandemic. We had an Instagram live about the COVID-15 the extra bit of pounds everyone <laughs> was picking up because they were home baking sourdough bread and doing all these things. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, we just kind of leaned into what we were going through as a team and what we felt our customer was going through. And we wanted to go through it together and just encourage each other. And so that's kind of, you know, how we started weathering the COVID-19 storm. <laughs> it's amazing. I actually watched a couple of your workout videos where you were like lifting weights in your lounge room. I was like, oh my gosh, that woman is amazing. <laughs> and Sarah, I have to tell you, I wasn't one to like really always put myself out there. Mm. But I think during the pandemic, you're like, you know what, everybody's kind of working out in their bedrooms and nobody's <laughs> workout is pretty. I might as well just put myself out so people can identify and know that, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just move your body, exercise, break out in a sweat and you'll feel better. Totally. <laughs> and I think one of the best parts of all of this is it's created such a beautiful opportunity to connect with your customers in a way that's very difficult to do just through product. Like you might have previously thought it was inappropriate to share about when you have a shower or what your living room workout looks like. But now that you've been forced to do that, you realize the great connection that can create. Like people don't mind that you're not talking about shea butter all the time. They love that you're connecting as a human. And most businesses probably haven't ventured that far into that deeper connection with their customers. But, you know, it's revealed that there's just a beautiful community element that can come out of all of this. Absolutely. Did any parts of moving online work better than others? Are there any that you thought, you know, you might keep going, but then others that you thought that didn't necessarily work how I thought it was, I'm not going to keep that. What learnings did you take away from venturing so far into a new landscape? So one of the learnings that we're still on the journey on that I don't really feel like we've nailed, but I think it's the right thing and that we're going to continue doing is running um, um, digital ads on Instagram and Facebook. Mm. And so one of the things that we did during this time was to start working with a small firm to run ads and be able to kind of serve um, ads about the company online. It's, it's an area that I've always found a little tricky mm. and we're beginning to see an uptick in sales as a result of that investment. It wasn't an area we were very strong in before, but it takes a minute to figure out the secret sauce in terms of how people, <laughs> it's true. It's like digital marketing. It's so interesting. It, it, it's, you, you, you try different things. You do a lot of AB testing. You have to switch out images. You have to change the the tone and how you say things. And so that's been like a learning process for us to, to find out how we resonate with customers and then put some spend behind that. Mm. One thing I do want to do more of are the um, Instagram lives and just keep talking to customers, finding out what they like, what they're going through, you know, what do they want us to create for them? And I think that's one of the many benefits of being a smaller brand is that you really can go directly to your customers for intelligence and, and information on what you need. 
Yeah, it's never been easier to access data if you're willing to sort of mine for it. I think there are so many incredible doors that using technology and business continues to open for us and is evolving every day. Mm-hmm. But because of how fast it moves, there are a lot of businesses that find it incredibly scary and overwhelming. And especially if they didn't start online and now is the first time they've ever had to pivot, it's a whole new world. So what advice would you have for other businesses who are just starting to embrace digital? Um, I would say definitely embrace it. And I think that as a small business, you bring all of yourself into your business. And I think a lot of people don't want to do it because they're like, oh, you know, my lighting isn't that great. I love my lighting isn't that great. Or (laughs) I don't really know what to do. But, you know, people are looking for you you know, the essence of you. And one of the things I'm learning is that your tribe will follow you. You know, when you put yourself out there and just kind of share yourself, some people are going to be naturally drawn to you and then they're going to tell their friends and they're going to tell their friends. And you you just want to make sure that you are providing good content and that you're being authentic and that the service or product that you're bringing to market, really your intention behind it is to help make people's lives better. Mm. And people can tell that and, you know, things begin to grow from there. Yeah. So before we go all the way back to the start of your story, because I would love to explore that beautiful journey to where you are now, I'd also love to ask about the care packages that you sent out, that you sort of created a whole new offering in the pandemic as well as just online. Tell us about those. So actually that came also from feeling what we were all feeling when the pandemic started. I really felt that as a wife and a a mom, that I was really in a privileged position to be able to continue working, you know, work from home out of a safe place. But I also know a lot of people who were either physicians, nurses, people who worked in the grocery store who had to be out there working in a pandemic situation. And like I said, in the earlier months, we didn't even know how people got it. We just knew that you had to shelter in place and try not to be exposed to anything. And I just imagined that the woman who had to leave her kids at home and go buy groceries in the store or that nurse or that doctor every day was kind of taking a risk to take care of other people, you know, in order for everyone Mm -hmm. to be taken care of during the pandemic. And so a girlfriend and I, Chica from Day My Lane, decided to create care packages. She has a t-shirt company and We wanted to create care packages that people could nominate people that they knew uh, to win these packages so we could send them out to them. And it was just something to put a smile on their face to let them know that, you know, they deserve to be pampered. We had some body wash, some lotions and everything, and just a little care pack to know that we were thinking about them and that we appreciated all the work and sacrifice. And we specifically focused on women (laughs) because we know a lot of the time with, with, with us women, sometimes we just need to exhale. We need maybe something really nice on our skin and just a moment to, to, to feel appreciated and, and loved. And that's what we wanted to send out was, was love. 
And how beautiful that it was also an occasion to collaborate and partner with another business that might otherwise not have been something you would have thought about. Exactly. So I think that there are probably some people who are much earlier on in their journey or maybe don't have a business yet, but starting a business is their way to pivot in these circumstances because their job might have been threatened or because for whatever reason, they might just be earlier on in the piece. And I think the very beginning can be the most overwhelming part for some people, but stories like yours are so real reassuring and uplifting because they remind us that you don't have to start the business you have now overnight. You started in your kitchen, you started with baby steps and you've built yourself up to where you are. So can you take us back to those very early days and talk us through discovering Shay? I loved reading that your helicopter mother chased you around with shea butter in childhood in West Africa. (laughs) And that led you to formulating like 20 years later in your kitchen looking for a more natural alternative to steroids. So tell us how the business began. And for anyone who wants to start a business, don't be afraid of baby steps. Don't be afraid of starting in your garage or kitchen. Just start where you are. And in my situation, my kids had extremely dry skin and my youngest just had baby eczema. He had cradle cap, the whole nine yards. Mm. We used cortisones and we just realized it wasn't sustainable. And so we had this flashback of what our parents used, you know, when we were kids, you know, I had this flashback of, of my grandmother chasing me around, you know, with shea butter, rubbing it on my chest, putting it in my nose and <laughs> slathering me in this butter because, you know, that was, you know, shea butter was the cure for everything. <laughs> and so we would get in the kitchen and mix all these things. <laughs> Friends would come over, would give them like little tubs of it. They'd take it home, use it. And after a while on the weekends, I would get, I'll take a tent and a table and go to the local farmer's market. And I would, (laughs) I would set up my table and I would sell this stuff. I was so passionate about the results that we got that I felt that the whole world needed shea butter. Now this was about 10 years ago. It hadn't become a household name. And so it was a lot about education. And while I was doing that, we also realized that, you know, because the product worked so well and we were getting a lot of success, we needed to make sure we could source it from a sustainable source. And that's when I started traveling back to West Africa. Um, USAID had a program with the West African Trade Hub and I would partner with some of their consultants and I got to visit different parts of West Africa that I hadn't even visited as a Nigerian, <laughs> but with, um, with Shea Butter, I got a chance to go out into the country, out into the village. I got to see the women as they went out early in the morning to pick up the fruits during the Shea season and bring them back into their communities. I got to observe how the women processed the nuts and then extracted the butter out of a brown paste that they had created. And I was always full of wonder. It's like, how did they realize that these seven steps could give us such an amazing product? And in the midst of observing all that, I also saw how hard the women worked and how little they made and how the proceeds that they made through their sale of shea butter was actually the money that they got to keep. Mm. they got to decide how they wanted to spend that money. And most of them obviously would invest it back into the families. They would send their kids to school. Girl children who are usually the last to go to school, if the mother had more disposable income, would have a chance to send her to school. 
Women use the money for healthcare for their kids, books and uniforms. And at that moment, I realized that my purpose for Shea Radiance was more than just creating great products and having a successful business. It was really going to be about impact. It was going to be about if I figured out how to run a profitable, successful business in the U.S., I would be able to have impact on the lives of other women who were not looking for me to give them a handout. They wanted a trading partner. But in order to be that trading partner, I had a lot of growing to do as an entrepreneur. And so that's kind of, you know, the story of the supply chain, the partnership with women-run cooperatives. And each time I'm out there, you know, wanting to grow the business or pitching an idea to another retail store, I always lead with that because it allows me to take the focus off me because I have (laughs) so much fear of rejection, you know? And say, you know what, Falaya, this is bigger than you. You're taking a whole community of women with you. So when you go out there and pitch, just remember these faces. And so that kind of keeps me going. (laughs) Oh, Falaya, I have goosebumps. That is such (laughs) a beautiful way to build business for impact. And I think it's just such an incredible example that you can be driven by success and profit and metrics to funnel that back into a really impactful, incredible legacy. And the the cooperatives that you're working with have produced 22,000 pounds of raw shea butter in 2010. More more than that. Well, that was 2010, like 10 years ago. Yes, yes. (laughs) But it also reminds me a couple of things. Firstly, that you don't need to reinvent the wheel, that you can look back to ancient knowledge that just hasn't been packaged in a modern way. I think we all think we need to invent something for the first time, but you can take a very simple idea and just reintroduce it to the world in a new way. And I think that applies in our infrastructure as well, because you can't build a profitable business without the right platforms and without the right back end to actually reach the world. Like there's no point if you're just in your kitchen, you can't expand. So another thing we try and do is reinvent the wheel, build our own online store, build everything from scratch, customize everything. But I think Platforms like PayPal really allow you to leverage existing systems, existing efficiencies, existing trust in merchants that then make the transition online quite seamless. So Select Nutrition distributes you in-store around the States, but of course you also have your online store. At what point in your journey did you take the store online? And then what was becoming a PayPal merchant? How, like how impactful was that for you in that process? So I took the um, store online actually very early on. Back in those days, we had these payment gateways that were so archaic. (laughs) You would would process your transaction and then keep your money for seven days, six days. And even when they would transmit back all the data in terms of what happened, it's like, okay, I don't even understand all the reports. And when we transitioned to PayPal as our payment gateway, it was so transparent. What I loved was that the customers would purchase from us and immediately the money was like in your account. So Mm. I don't think most people who are doing business online even understand what I'm talking about, (laughs) about the dark old ages of having, you know, these payment gateways before PayPal. And also we have people who just do not feel comfortable putting their credit card information on a a shopping platform. Mm. PayPal, they already have that trust in PayPal. So when we have PayPal, either as our primary gateway or as a payment option on any platform that we're working on, 
it gives customers that confidence to know that, you know what, we're not giving Shea Radiance our credit card information, but we're paying through PayPal and we know PayPal and we trust PayPal. Yeah, I've noticed that definitely as a PayPal merchant myself, that there is an impact on sales when you do make a trusted payment option available like PayPal credit and PayPal checkout. That level of trust that customers have with PayPal actually allows us to grow our online business. And in the scale-up process, we also mentioned PayPal Working Capital before. You've now grown from your kitchen to over 20 different skin and hair products, which is just such an incredible expansion of the range. And I think, as we mentioned, the working capital is such a cool way to help businesses fund themselves in the growth phases where they might not be able to access that growth on their own. So how has that been for you in the scale-up process, even before COVID, how much has that sort of bolstered your ability to scale up? It was really important for us because even as we were growing and, and scaling up, and even now, you know, from time to time, in the early days when we would work with Select Nutrition or any other distributors, we would have to float either our retailers or our distributors and you know you you ship out an order and then you have to wait 30 60 days for payments uh, with paypal working capital it just allowed us to continue to do our business you know meet payroll buy you know ingredients and continue working while our vendors paid us and so it was a really good kind of stopgap resource to be able to kind of count on as we were growing our business. I think one of the hardest things in scale up is cash flow and we don't talk about that as much. It's more like stock and confidence and people management, but actually cash flow just is the hardest thing because you can't do anything without that. (laughs) Especially when you're in manufacturing, especially when you're in the consumer product goods space, um, cash flow is, is so important. So looking to the future, how are you planning to continue past the pandemic? What are the main points that you would recommend for other small or medium businesses looking to the future? How are you coming up with new ideas? How are you coming up with new ideas in a landscape where you're not necessarily, not really necessarily sure when you'll be able to execute, but using this uncertainty in a positive light rather than a negative one? So part of the lessons I've gotten during the pandemic, uh, you know, initially we talked about the supply chain challenges. Those didn't immediately go away. And we had several situations where the stores were out of stock of, on some of our key products like our African black soap. And so one of the things I've learned during this pandemic is just the importance of communication and relationships. Because when we were out of stock, we had to go talk to our vendors. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going through this. The ports shut down, making everybody kind of aware that the reason we're out of stock is because we're all going through it together. And it's just amazing how distributors, retailers, we're very understanding. You can have a really great a business plan. You can have all your financing. You can have all the tangibles Mm. in place But really the game changers when the chips are all down becomes relationship. And like you said, the COVID-19 pandemic, I I don't think any of us could have looked into a crystal ball (laughs) and foreseen the whole world shutting down and just the ripple effect it would have through the entire economy. 
And for those of our businesses that are still open and operating, some of the challenges we are facing are just almost with, I mean, out of our control. But, yeah. you know, it's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. Yeah. And so that's kind of been my mantra. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to get through this. Just keep talking, keep sharing information, keep giving updates. But we are going to get through this. And we're going to get through it better than ever. We're all going to emerge on the other side of this pandemic, wiser, more compassionate. When you talk about creating and coming up with new products, what we're going to come up with is going to be as a result of what we learn from our customers as a result of the communications we're having with them. Yeah, I was going to ask for the future. You know, we're all much more aware of the fact that we might need a backup plan when probably none of us had one before. It's so important to safeguard your ability to adapt into the future. So I was going to ask how you're doing that. But I think focusing on communication and relationships means that no matter what comes your way, you you have those channels open. Yeah, because I, I thought about it. I was like, you know, what would I do different? You know, one of the challenges is just even finding bottles and pumps and, and jars and caps. And I'm like, do I then build a warehouse and have a year supply of jars and packaging? I can't afford that, you know, so that's not realistic, a realistic way of mitigating risk. There's so many things you really can't control. But I, mm-hmm. I just found out that, that, you know, it boils down to relationship Will that package manufacturer, because of the relationship I have with her or him, be willing to make some exceptions and and do things for me. That's really the currency that I think I have going forward. That's such a great analogy. It really is a currency to kind of have in the bank for whenever you need it. (laughs) Very last question, as we are approaching the holiday season, how are you preparing? Is there anything special coming your way? So uh, my team and I have been thinking about just ways we can give back and allow our customers to have the option to give back. So we've been brainstorming, we've started putting together our holiday packages, but we're working on a program where our customers can buy something for themselves and also be able to buy something to give to someone else at a better price. So it's not fully fleshed out, but I know that so many of us want to be able to give something back to someone that we see, you know, it could be the UPS guy, the FedEx guy, you know, (laughs) the Amazon guy or gal who is still, you know, leaping out of their truck to, you know, drop your things over so that you don't have to be out there. We want to come up with a nice little small package that, you know, our customers can get at a very reasonable price so that they can give it away and just show people how much they appreciate them. Well, I will make sure to keep an eye out for those. I think a lot of us will be. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing so openly, Funlayo. This was absolutely incredible. Where can we find you and Shea Radiance? You can find us on our website at SheaRadiance.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is SheaRadiance. Um, Keep your eyes open. We are in the middle of a transition. Um, You're going to be seeing a new and more exciting website, brighter, exciting new packaging and products. We are so excited about all the new things happening at Share Radiance, and we would love to share it with you when everything is out and available next month. (gasps) How exciting! Yes, right before the holidays. (laughs) 
What an amazing human being. I hope you guys are feeling as inspired and motivated by Funlayo as I am. There are so many takeaways and pearls of wisdom from this. A couple that stood out for me are firstly the idea that we're not alone. We're all in this together. Everyone is experiencing the tumultuous year of 2020. So it's a great time for kindness and compassion and communication because everyone is going through something similar. So we're all, it's really bringing people together to connect connect and and have that sense of community that sometimes we lose sight of. Another thing on that is keep talking to your customers, find out what they want and what they're going through. You know, you can do surveys, you can reach out through social media on your email database. There's so much possibility to, to gather data and use that to enhance and improve your offering through your business and your connection with your audience. The third thing I thought was just give it a go. I mean, a lot of the world is changing so fast. It's really overwhelming sometimes, but why not just try things? Run some digital ads on Instagram and Facebook. Just test the waters. Everyone is a beginner at one point or another. So just get started and you'll become more familiar with things the more you try them and ask for help. Another one I loved was just coming back to the the value of relationships and the value of communication. Because if you are really building good relationships and you're openly communicating with them, there's not really that much that can go wrong. It's so much easier when you're not hiding from things or when you're just having really, really open and honest discussions about what you're going through and managing people's expectations. It makes tough times like these so much easier to navigate. And then the final one, which I have scribbled down a couple of different times during this episode, this too shall pass. Nothing is permanent. Everything in this world is temporary, both the tough times that we will absolutely get through, but also the positive times, which reminds you to really appreciate them when you do have them. I am just absolutely buzzing with so much energy from Funlayo. I hope you guys are too. Make sure you subscribe to get the next episode and join PayPal and myself for more of The Adaptables.